the reality of this material world. Allah Subhanahu wa said in Quran that all of the stuff of the dunya is nothing other than a deception and a delusion. Nabi Akram said in a hadith that dunya, the material world, is a prison for the believer and it is a jannat like a heaven for the unbeliever. Many, many of our friends, they make a lot of mistakes in understanding what the word dunya means. They think the word dunya means money and wealth. has explained, what is dunya? Dunya is whatever makes a person distracted from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Dunya is the name of whatever makes a person forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing physical is the dunya, neither our spouse, nor children, nor business, nor money. Dunya means Every single thing that distracts the spiritual hearts from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu and empties the hearts from the remembrance of Allah, that is called dunya. And some of the Mashaikh have said, that every single thing due to which a person's heart stops yearning for Allah subhanahu even a decline in their yearning from the spontaneous, that is called dunya. Some Oliya used to say that everything that occupies you in a way that is separate from Allah Subhanahu everything that distracts you from Allah Subhanahu that is called dunya. So in some dunya means anything and everything that makes a person distant from Allah Subhanahu makes a person forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is called dunya. In the Quranic Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has talked about the dunya in many, many places. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Allah 
So don't be distracted by the delusion that is the distraction of the dunya. The second ayah is that indeed the life of this world is nothing but a distraction and a plague. And another ayah of Islam says indeed everything in the dunya is just some stuff that is temporary and fleeting, but indeed the akhirah, the hereafter, is the eternal abode. Another ayah of Islam said that say that indeed all of the stuff of this world is but a trifling, but indeed the akhirah, that is the greatest abode. So much so that the awliya, and they even forbade, Allah subhanahu wa even forbade uh, spending time with the people who love the dunya. Allah Ta'ala said that you should stay away and avert yourself from that person who is a seeker of the dunya. The Prophet one of his great favors he did on the Ummah is that he openly explained what the reality of this world was. And so that person, you see, any person who lets you know something that is harmful for you, he would be called a Muslim. So Sayyidina ﷺ explained to us the harmful effects of the dunya, and he explained to us all of the different ways the dunya would attract us, distract us. In the hadith, the Prophet said that the dunya is like a green, is very sweet, is very sweet and very lush. Two words process on use of the dunya is very sweet and very lush. What does that mean? That one one thing in the dunya is not one matter of the person is trying to acquire the dunya. He hasn't even finished it and then he starts planning the next one. Then he acquires it, then he starts planning the next one. In other words, a person's whole life is spent acquiring the dunya, seeking the dunya, acquisition after acquisition, acquiring after acquiring. If he gets a car, he's planning the next car. If he gets a house, he's planning the next house. He then wants a house, wife, he wants children, he wants the next child, he wants a promotion. Step by step, one after the other, there's no limit to the hopes and dreams and aspirations he has in this world. Has he ever, has Insan ever sat down and thought that in Jannah I want a house like this, and in Jannah I want a place like this, and I want to be able to go fast over the bridge, over hellfire, in Jannah I want a place by the feet of Sayyidina However seriously and intensely he sits and tries to plan for the dunya, he does not seriously and intensely plan for the akhirah. So what does that mean? That means that we are preferring this life over the next. We are preferring this life over the hereafter. When Allah SWT, it comes in data, when Allah SWT made this world, He created the world and then He averted and turned His gaze away from it. And then Allah SWT swore that in the name of my Izzah, in the name of my honor and my grace and dignity, that I will not... I will not send you into the dunya. I will not send. I will not make a person of the dunya or a person of the dunya except the most evil type of people. Another hadith comes. And indeed, 
that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ever since he made ever since he created the dunya that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not cast a single gaze on the material world on the material aspect of the world other than a gaze of a gaze of hostility a gaze of aversion means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is averse to the material dunya he created it because he needed a place for insan to be placed otherwise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is averse to the material world then another hadith comes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if it was up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with not if the dunya had any value at all, then Allah SWT would not have given disbelievers even a single bounty and blessing in this dunya. So much so that he would, he would have given them a sip of water to drink. So the fact that Allah SWT has given so many bounties of this world to the disbelievers is a very proof of himself that all of the things in this world have no value to Allah SWT because he would not want to give anything of value to that person who disbelieved in him. Therefore, any person who is sensible, any person who had any sense, instead of chasing after this world that is fleeting, temporary, fading, and eventually dying, they should have instead put all of their effort to resolve in the akhirah, which is eternal, subsisting, never-ending, never-fading. It comes in the hadith that that person who loved the dunya, that person who loves the dunya, that person will then spoil their akhirah. And that person who loves the akhirah, then that person will have to sacrifice the dunya. Another hadith. The Prophet said that it is so how much wonder should we look at that person that he believes in the Akhirah but even then he chases after the dunya. He believes that there is an Akhirah but despite that, notwithstanding that, he still chases after this deceptive world. Another hadith the Prophet said that how strange is it that there are some human beings who are searching and seeking this world and death is seeking this person. That this person is chasing after the world and his own death is just going to catch up with him. In another hadith, the likeness of this world and the hereafter is just like the likeness of the east and the west. If you face either one of them, you must necessarily turn your back on the other. If you face one of them, then you will necessarily have to turn your back on the other. So if you face to orient yourself towards the dunya, it means you must spurn the akhirah. And if you want to orient yourself towards the akhirah, you must spurn the dunya. Another hadith of Prophet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just said, Musa said, O Musa, that when you see the dunya, if you see that the dunya is facing towards you, it is orienting towards you, even the dunya is walking towards you, what should you say? You should say that you should say that this is some sin of mine due to which the dunya is coming towards me.
I must have committed some sin, and that is why the dunya is falling in my feet. Let's go to pray that only Allah is the thing. That if they, if they saw that the dunya was coming towards them, they thought that this could be due to some sin that they had committed. So these were all serious mistakes. Now let us look and put the statements of the Sahaba Ikram, Badi Allah Ta'ala Ahmad's mind. That these were the people who understood the reality of the dunya. Sayyidina Salman, Sayyidina Ali Muhammad once counseled Sayyidina Salman the Farsi Badi Allah Ta'ala and said to him, that if all of the gates and doors of the dunya were cast wide open for you, even then don't take from the dunya any more than what is your need and necessity. That this world is a corpse, and whomsoever intends or wants, Whomsoever intends or wants something from this dunya, or wants dunya, then they should think that he should join with the dogs and eat the corpse. Because Sayyidina Rasulullah said that that this world is like a corpse, and the one who is seeking the corpse, the one who is seeking the world, is like a dog. This is a hadith of the Prophet. There are obviously other animals that eat corpse, but the Prophet chose to mention a dog. Why is that? There's a particular reason for that. The reason is, is that wherever you see a corpse, a dead animal, then the dog, the wild dogs, right? The wild dogs, when they see the corpse, they cannot share the animal with anyone. They want to eat alone. As opposed to crows and scavengers, they will come in flocks and eat together. Other scavengers will come and eat together. But if any wild dog wants to eat a dead animal, he wants to eat it alone. And if any other animal tries to come, he tries to bark and to make it grow. And this is why the Prophet chose this example. Because this is the human being, he wants to eat the dunya alone. Don't we see today, even today, that there are business and people make partnerships. And then what happens is that one partner tries to exclude all of the others because he wants to eat from the business all in his own. The second reason why the dog was chosen was that the rest of the scavengers, they will eat that dead animal during the day, but then they will go away at night. Even the crows will go away, but the dog will not go away at all. He will spend all day and all night. He will spend all day eating it and he will at night sleep by it to make sure no one other animal tries to come. Just like that, the secret of the dunya, they spend all day chasing the dunya. They will spend all day either in the shop or the business, and at night they will be thinking of their business and dreaming about their business and dreaming about their business plans. Even at night they are thinking of the same things. They come in the masjid, they say, yeah, I don't have time to come to the masjid. Are you that busy in the dunya? Have you entrenched yourself so deeply in this world that you don't have time to even come to the masjid? That means that, that, means that the dunya is your enemy. It is distracting you and keeping you from the masjid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one more. That, that by giving the example of the dog, there is another wisdom in this. And that is, that if, if the dog is eating a dead animal, a corpse, and then anybody kills that dog at that time, 
If anybody beats that dog away, the dog won't go away. It will just slink away for a little bit and come right back. The dog doesn't take the lesson. Just like that, a person who is seeking this world, even if sometimes he suffers from something in the course of searching for this dunya, even if he becomes disgraced, he gets right back up and goes back to seeking the dunya. Just like the dog, if you shoo him away or beat him, he comes right back to the course. So look at the wisdom of Sayyidina He says that the dunya is a corpse, and the person who is seeking this corpse is like the dog. That if the dunya turn your back on the dunya and you can face yourself towards the akhirah. And there are some people who are children of the dunya and some people who are children of the akhirah. And what is better for you that you should become the children of the akhirah? That's why I used to, used to say that gold silver, that you can fool somebody else if you want. Try to fool someone else, you won't be able to fool me. Then other brother once wrote me note, he said the Salman of Parsi would be not what did he write in that letter? He said, if you indeed know that the likeness or example of the dunya is like a snake. And a snake is soft to touch. Anybody who touches it, it feels like it's very soft. However, and the person, however, the poison of the snake, the poison of the dunya, is lethal. And therefore you should stay away from it. Just like a snake is soft and touch, but the poison is lethal. Just like the dunya is soft and alluring, but the poison is dangerous and dangerous. So now, next we will look at what the awliya Allah say about the reality of the dunya. Wahab ibn Muhammad used to say that once he the name of the Lord, he met so Sulaiman al-Islam told Shaitan that, oh Shaitan, that if, what, what are you going to do when you find the Ummah of the Prophet Muhammad So Shaitan responded that what I'm going to do when I, find, when I meet up with them in the future is I'm going to make the dunya seem so beautiful to them. I'm going to make the dunya seem so alluring to them. I'm going to adorn the dunya so much in front of them that there will be some Muslims even that despite the fact that it's Allah, 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 they will still prefer to acquire the money and wealth of this world. Abdul Rahman ibn Sa'albi, he asked a question of Abdul Rahman ibn Umar radiallahu anhu. 
No person has ever been granted any single thing from the dunya other than that it lowered their, that is it lowered their level and rank in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa And they lowered their level in, in their akhirah, even if he may still end up in Jannah, he will lose some daraja in Jannah due to his chasing the dunya. That whenever you lose something, lose out on something in the dunya that you were seeking, you will get a higher darajan in the jannah. And whenever you, whenever you acquire something in the dunya from the material world, even though Allah Taala may view you as kareem, even then He will lower your darajan. Why? The reason is, is that Allah Subhanahu gave us some level of dunya, and Allah Subhanahu lowered our dunya for us. Why? Because Allah Subhanahu wants that you should spend what you earn from this dunya in my path to earn my pleasure. But people don't spend the charity and the path of Allah Subhanahu from the dunya that they acquire. So what does it mean that instead of spending it for the sake of Allah, they retain it for themselves? When they retain it for themselves, then it is. Something that is lower their dinner. Sometimes there are people who are constructing their own house, they will spend three million dollars. That person who is so rich that he can actually, he actually spend three million dollars in their own home, even that person won't even spend a hundred thousand dollars in the masjid. So what does that mean? That's a clear proof that that person preferred the dunya over the akhirah. What should have happened is that person should have said that, okay, if I spend $3 million on my own home, then I should spend at least half of that on my home, on Allah Ta'ala's home, so to send some reward for myself in the akhirah. And we will see that the Muslims in America, they spend 2-3 million dollars on their homes. That is the standard thing for them. But whenever a masjid is being built, so for very difficulty, one of them will give $5,000. And if he gives $5,000, he thinks it's a great, tremendous thing that he did. So what does that mean? He has a lot of love for this world. So what did Allah Taala give us the dunya for? So that we could spend it in his path and to earn his pleasure. And there are many, many people who can't even use the dunya that they have. As he says that once somebody met me, I met once met a person, and he was a money changer. And people who are money changers, they have a lot of money. And he told Hazrat Sam, that Hazrat that I have a lot of the dunya. But it's not in my seat. What does it mean that it's not my? I can't drive a nice car because I'm scared that somebody may realize I'm wealthy and may steal a, steal the car from me. So I drive a very simple car. I drive an old used car. And I don't want to live in a big house because I'm afraid that what if a criminal comes and there's a burglary? So I live in a very small, simple humble house. 
them under women in my family. I don't let them wear jewelry. Let somebody come and steal the jewelry. So he says, so Hazrat said that this guy has millions in his account, but he doesn't actually get the chance to enjoy that money or use that money. There are some people like that. And there are some other people that Allah SWT has given them a lot of money. But they have even more planning to get even more of this money. So all of that money that they got, they spend it all in machinery, they spend it all in a factory, because they want more and more. And they have a lot of running finance, they have a lot of money. And at the end of the year, then they calculate that we made so many hundreds of thousands of dollars of profits. But instead of using it, they reinvest it all. And they spend it again to get more. So if you look at it, they never actually use the dunya they acquired. They keep reinvesting it, reinvesting it to increase it more and more. So we should remember that what is the share of the dunya that we get? That is that which a person earns with their own hands and then they spend it for the sake of Allah. That is their share of the dunya. All the rest that we reinvest and we save up and we hoard, that is not for us. And actually then when we die, that will just be distributed in our inheritance. And then what happens is because later on when it goes in inheritance to people, because they didn't work hard for it, they didn't earn it, then they just spend it frivolously. So if our next will be better that we, what Hazrat Sajjan said, better that we spend that money in our own life in charity, rather than leave it as an inheritance for descendants who won't be able to, value it and then they will just waste it and spend it frivolously. So this dunya which is making a person forget their Allah, distract them from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so how no matter how bad we call such a dunya, it would be less. Such a dunya is an enemy of insan if it distracts a person from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. On the day of judgment Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make a wealthy person stand in front of him and will ask him, that, Oh my slave, that why didn't you do my ibadah? And he said, Oh Allah, you know that I was so busy and I was always earning and earning and earning and I never had time. So that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then call Sulaiman and said, Look, he was also my servant and slave and I gave him such a kingdom that he was a king over humanity, a king over jinn, a king over ales, a king over birds, a king over the animals in the air, a king over the animals in the water. But even despite the fact that I gave him such a kingdom, he was never distracted from me for even one second of his life. So if he can live a life like a king like that, then why couldn't you have been rich and also worship me? So money and wealth in this day and age, it is something that is supposed to be a shield to protect our young. What does that mean? Because if a person doesn't have any money at all, then if he is extremely poor, he may fall into begging, he may actually lose their iman. And the fact upon some Sanadith that towards the end of time, some people because of their extreme poverty, they will lose their iman. So the Prophet said that rather than give all your money away in charity and leave your inheritors completely poor, it is better that you leave some money behind so that your relatives or your descendants inherit money and they're saved from the test and crown tribulation of being poor. And then secondly, the way the money that can protect our iman is by spending that money for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
and that can be a means of safeguarding our imam. But there's so many people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given money, but then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made their children disobedient or their wife disobedient, or Allah ta'ala makes somebody have envy towards them, enmity towards them, or they become sick and they're unhealthy, they can't enjoy the money and wealth that they have. So we should always see that if a person has wealth and money, but that is accompanied with difficulty and trial, then we should seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from such money. And what is the minimum, the least harm that a person has, the least harm that is caused due to money, having a lot of money, is that a person doesn't want to die. Those people who have a lot of money, they never ever want to die. A person who is a chairman of a large number of companies, and he has every single comfort in this world, he would never want to die. You would never want to leave this world. So if nothing else, the guaranteed negative effect of having a lot of money is that a person won't want to die. As he said, once a young man came to him and said that, I'm really scared about dying. As he said, do you have any money? He said, yes, then why don't you spend some charity in the path of Allah SWT and the work of Allah SWT. So he started spending it, donating charity. And one day he came to us and he said, now I feel like I'm ready to die. I'm more than happy to move to the next world. So how did, how did this change come over me? So he told him that, look, that a person's heart desires to go to that place where they have made some preparation, stored up something, tre- treasure for themselves. Now when you started donating charity in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you had amassed for yourself some treasures in the akhirah. And now your heart is inclined towards the Akhirah and now you're ready to leave this world. So this is what the awliya Allah explained to us about the world. That if you fall into this world, don't fall into it in such a way that you forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. used to say, do not pray behind that person who loves the dunya. Don't pray salah behind that person who is a lover of the dunya. When Allah SWT loves one of his servants and slaves, He then gives them a worry and concern for the Akhirah. And when Allah SWT is angry with one of his slaves, Allah SWT gives him a lot of dunya, expands his wealth and sustenance and livelihood. And Allah subhanahu wa makes that person forget him. When Allah subhanahu wa loves one of his servants and slaves, if Allah subhanahu safeguards and protects him from the dunya, just like the way that if somebody was sick, you would protect him and prevent him from drinking ice-cold water. Salam Ramtha used to say, that that person to tur- turning towards Allah Taala will not be valid, will not be accepted by Allah until he turns away from the dunya and his heart.
Abu Hazim Rahmatullah used to say, that whatever life you have already lived up to this point, that is now a dream that is gone. Whatever life is remaining is just your hopes and fancies. Other than that, you are nothing other than the name of past dreams and future hopes. Then when the Mashaik say that you should leave the dunya, Turkey dunya, it doesn't mean to leave your wife, leave your children, leave your homes, leave wearing clean good clothing, it doesn't mean leave driving a new car, it does not mean leave eating good food. What does it mean? It means that all of those beauties and attractions leave being attracted to the beauties of this world. Don't have a yearning and grief for the world. Don't have a craze for the world. If a person is working and if he is eating at home, as long as he has sugar for Allah SWT and he is not crazy about the world, then it's fine. But it should not be that he's passionate about the world, he's crazy about the world, so much so that even if he has to earn money through haram means he is willing to do so. So what they call habas, it means that they shouldn't have a craze and a passion for the dunya. They shouldn't have greed for the dunya. It comes in a date, Nabi Akrim said, for that person who wants the akhirah, it's better for that person who should leave, they should leave the beauties and adornments of this world. Now, if there is any good thing in this world that Allah Ta'ala wishes to bestow upon you, He will bestow it upon you without your having to seek it. A person came to him and said, the Shaykh, I want you to agree to something. And he said, okay, what? And he said that and there's 365 days in the year and every day I'm going to present a new clothing to you and I want you to accept it. So every day this person who is fond of Sufyan Thoryantai has to give him a new piece of clothing. And then every day Sufyana so used to wear it, and then at night he used to give it away in charity. And the next day the person would bring him another garment, and then again at night he would give it in charity. Now even today, who is such a person who is so rich that they wear new clothing every day? So Sufyana so never wanted this. He had no grief for it, no passion for it. But Allah Ta'ala wanted to bestow dunya on him, so he took it, and then he gave it away for the sake of Allah SWT. So we should never seek the dunya using any haram means. We should know that whatever dunya Allah wants us to have, He will definitely send it to us. We don't have to use anything that is haram. We don't have to lie, deceive, engage in fraud. Misrepresentation, no. And then a person who has that dunya which Allah Ta'ala has sent him, he will be happy and then he will give zakat happily, he will give sadaqah happily, he will spend on the path of Allah Ta'ala happily. Sayyidina Rasulullah said, that my example is that of a traveler who is simply stopped underneath the shade of a tree to take a short nap and then he's going to go back on his mount and ride away again. The life of this world is just like that, just like a small pause on one's journey underneath the shade of a tree. Malik bin Dinan Abdullah used to say, Malik bin Dinan Abdullah used to say, 
that person who, who marries the dunya, who does nikah with the dunya, and what does the dunya ask? The dunya asks as meher his deen. And if you want to marry me, you have to give up her deen. Now would anybody want to give up their deen and purchase the dunya in exchange for deen? That would be folly and that would be an absolute, absolutely foolish thing to do. Shaykh Ibn Ta'Allah Al-Iskandari 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 That the dunya has sat down and is, is sat down on the path that leads towards the Akhirah and either a person will stop at the dunya or a person will have to bypass the dunya and continue on the path towards the Akhirah. Ibn Atta'Allah, he has a lot of wise sayings, hikam. He says, that wisdom is a precious pearl. And Allah uh, has given Ibn Atala the ability. He said many pearls and nuggets of wisdom. So what is your value in the eyes of Allah Subhanahu Your value in the eyes of Allah Subhanahu will be based on what it is that you occupy yourself with. If you only occupy yourself with the world, the dunya, then you have no value in front of Allah Subhanahu because the whole dunya has no value in front of Allah Subhanahu so all of this business and office and stores and shops that we spend all our day and night in, we should not let that make us lose our ibadat, our amal. And wonderful are those people who work in business, but they also pray all their salah and jama'at in the masjid. They never miss a prayer. They do talat of Quran every day. They do nafal ibadat every day. Along with working in this world, they are always worried and concerned with the akhirah. Hassan al-Bashan once he saw a person and he saw that this person used to come and go in the company of the king. And this person had a lot of dunya. So then he told him, he said that, Hassan al-Bashan asked him, what do you think is the reality of the dunya? So he said that this dunya is just like the bridge of Sirat that goes over hell. He said, yes, you have understood the reality of the dunya. Even if you have a lot of dunya, you're just walking delicately over it, and at any moment you could tip over into hellfire. Some of the wise men have said, and when a person's body becomes sick, then the person, it's no, of no benefit to a person to eat or drink when they're so sick. Just like that in a person's spiritual heart, when their color becomes sick, yeah, when it becomes sick with the love of the world, then there is no mo'idha, there is no nasiha, no admonishment or advice that is of any benefit to it. 
You can even advise that person, but they listen in one ear and they take it out from the other ear. And what is the reality of this dunya? Then we now understand it. That a person should earn a livelihood in this world and whatever risk Allah wants him to have, he will definitely get it. But due to his work and earning his livelihood, he should not leave any ibadah whatsoever. He shouldn't say that I'm not able to pray salah. He shouldn't say that I cannot spend time in the path of Allah. He cannot say that I don't have time to go to gatherings of the pious and listen to good lectures. Because he should remember that whatever dunya we are destined to have, we are going to get it no matter what. Because Allah Ta'ala dictated for us. Whatever Allah tells you to us, we're going to get. So what we learn from that is that it does not make sense for us to sacrifice any amal of our deen for the sake of dunya. And we should know that when sometimes people even get money, then they start buying TVs, then they start watching entertainment, then they go out to spend their money, and when they go out to spend their, in the name of spending their money to have a good time, sometimes they get involved in things that are haram or put themselves in environments of entertainment that are haram. So if even if a person has money like Sayyidina Usman or Ghani Allah Ta'ala gave him so much money but at the same time he gave so much money in charity once Sayyidina Rasulullah when looking at the generosity of Sayyidina Usman he made dua for him and he said that O Rahman meaning O Allah Ta'ala make easy the hisab accounting accounting of Sayyidina Usman Ghani so if a person has money, they should use that money for the benefit of the Ummah. And the likeness of money is just like water and a ship. If there is no water, the boat will not be able to go. The boat will not be able to travel unless there is water. So the boat is re- requires that there should be water. But when will the boat sail? That when the water is underneath the boat. And if the water is inside the boat or on top of the boat, then the boat won't sail, the boat will drown, the boat will sink. Just like that, a person should have money, but their money should be underneath them, underneath their feet, means they should be a master over it. But if the money comes up and goes inside them and into their heart, then they will sink just like the boat will sink if water enters them. And our Mashaikh used to give this example of a particular uh, bird, a type of bird that sits in the water and when it tries to catch it's such a bird that somehow it sits on the water but it wings get wet and therefore it's able to I don't know the name of this bird but it's able to hunt the fish and it's able to fly very very quickly without its wings even getting wet so they used to say that you should be just like that like the way that bird hunts its fish but doesn't even get its wings wet you should take what you need of this world, but you shouldn't get wet with this world. 
That person in whose heart has love for the dunya, that person will have a very tremendous, there's something that they should fear tremendously, that, that's something that the Mashaik have written. What did they say? That, that, that person in whose heart lies the love of this world, and on the Day of Judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will call, actually make the entire dunya come in front of him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks the dunya, that, oh dunya, I have, I'm, I dislike you. Therefore, let me put all of you, the entire dunya, into jahannam. So when Allah Ta'ala puts the material world into jahannam, then the dunya will say to Allah Ta'ala, that, Oh Allah, that what about those who loved me? What's going to happen to those who loved me? And Allah Ta'ala will say, that a person will be with whomsoever he loved. So in whomsoever's heart was left for the dunya, Allah Ta'ala says, I will send them with you, O dunya, into Jahannam. So that's why we shouldn't have love for the world in our heart. How can we get rid of this love for the world from our heart? This is a question that we should have. That I have love for the world in my heart. I have greed. I have materialism. I want to show off. I want a lot of money. Sometimes I even want to spend my money in entertainment ways that may not be permissible. I'm attracted towards sin. How can I get these feelings out of my heart? By doing the zikr of Allah subhanahu The more and more zikr that we do, the more and more abundantly and excessively we do zikr of Allah subhanahu the quicker the love for the world will leave our heart, and the quicker the love for Allah subhanahu will enter into our heart. What is the proof of this? The proof is an ayah in the Qur'an al-Kareem. And the proof of this will be in Qur'an azim al-Shan. There is the incident of the Queen Bilqis that when Suleiman sent a message to her and told her that you should be come to me in a convenient way, have Iman in me. So she consulted her advisors and she asked her advisors that what should we do? And they said that we are with you. Just like the world always says that, you know, take a step and we are with you. So this is what they told her. They said that we are with you. Whatever you do, we will support you. But she understood that she responded to them and she told them that she said that if indeed when a king enters into a village, in then he destroys it, he levels it. And then what does he do? He makes those people who were previously honored in that city, he makes them disgraced and he expels them from that city. It means when a king comes as a conqueror and enters as a conqueror into a city, he expels, he makes those who were in places of honor of that city into places of disgrace. 
Now, some of them are frustrating to say that there's a tamtil, a metaphor in this ayah. So if instead of maluk kings, we say that the king is Allah subhanahu and if in terms of karya, in terms of village, we think that it means our heart. So what does it mean then? Then we can understand the ayah that indeed when Allah subhanahu enters into our heart, means when the love for Allah subhanahu the zikr of Allah subhanahu the name of Allah subhanahu enters into our heart, then it causes a revolution in our heart and it makes those things that the heart used to like, which is dunya, which is dunya, it makes it disgraced and expels it from the heart. So this is the powerful effect of the name of Allah SWT, that once it comes into our heart, it removes the love for the world that we have in our heart. That is why we should do zikr of Allah SWT in abundance so that we make it the love for Allah SWT in our heart. How else can we remove the love for the world from our heart? Somebody said that we will mention one incident and then we will end our talk. And once there was a shape, something we should listen to carefully. Once there was a shape, and he was in Delhi, and there's a famous pillar there in Delhi which is called Kutub Binar and why is that? because the king was his murid and the king erected a big pillar a monument you can say in memory of Kutub Binar Kakir Abdana he was a very pious and he was even very pious when he was a child and this word Kaki is is a Hindi word that is in particular with his name which means Roti which means bread now how did he get this Taito, when he was born, and his parents were planning with one another that we are going to raise our child as child of the pious, righteous son, and we are going to fill his heart with the love for Allah subhanahu and we want to fill his heart with certainty, iman, strong certainty in iman. So when he started, when he was at the age to go to the madrasa, and one day when he was coming back from the madrasa, he said, oh my mother, I have, I'm hungry. And the mother told him that, oh son, that now that Allah Ta'ala is the one who gives risk to everyone, Allah Ta'ala gives us as well, and He's going to give it to you as well. So let's make, I will make dua to Allah, and you also make dua to Allah. So he said that, oh my mother, how do we pray to Allah? So she said that, okay, here is the musallah prayer mat, you should sit on this, and make dua to Allah Ta'ala, that, oh Allah, I come back from the madrasa, I'm hungry. Oh Allah, send me food. And so the boy would sit and he would start praying to Allah. And then he would say, okay, now I made dua. Now what should I do, mother? And she said, oh my son, look, Allah would have definitely answered your prayers and he must have put your food somewhere. Go look for it. So what the mother had done is that when he was making dua, she would make some food for him and she would hide it somewhere for him. And he would go look and he would find it. And he used to get really happy that my Allah answered my prayer. Now the boy was very happy and he used to ask his mother that, Oh my mother, did Allah Ta'ala give you also? And she said, Yes, Allah Ta'ala gives everyone. And the boy said, Wow, Allah Ta'ala has so much that he can give everybody food. And the mother said, Yes. So the boy was even more amazed. 
and this became a daily practice. As she used to make the food before he came home from the madrasa and hide it somewhere, he would come back from the madrasa, sit on the masala, make dua, and all that send me food, and then run around, and he would look for it, and he would find it somewhere, and he would get happy. So he started having love for Allah SWT in his heart. Because that is a human being that whomsoever is kind to you, you have love for them. And a person always has love for their Muslim, the person who is kind to them. So many men passed like this. And the father and mother were very happy that our son has a lot of love for Allah in their heart. And he has absolute yaqeen in Allah. And what happened was once a problem happened. And what was that? That the boy's mother, she went to go visit some family members. Maybe there was a nikah or there was some family function. And when she went there, she forgot to cook the food and hide it for her son. And then when she saw the time, she said that, Oh, my son would have come back from the mother's son by now. And today I didn't cook the food and hide it somewhere. So he's going to come home and he's going to make his dua and he's going to look for the food and he won't find it. And then he, he will be heartbroken. So the mother quickly, she tried to go home as fast as she could. She also prayed to Allah SWT that, Oh Allah, I made, I was, I, I started something to make my son fall in love with you. And yet Allah, now if he, if he, if there is no food for him, he will be heartbroken. So when she came home, she saw that her son was sleeping. So then she thought that, okay, Alhamdulillah, maybe he came home and he was so tired and he went to sleep. So let me quickly make the food while he sleeps. So when he wakes up, he need to make the dua, then he'll find the food. So she quickly made the food and then she hid it. And then finally the son woke up and she said, Oh my son, you must be so hungry and you must be so tired. And he said, No, that I'm not uh, hungry at all. And she said, What do you mean? And he said, that, You know, I came home today from the madrasa and you weren't at home. And as per my norm, I put out the prayer mat and I made dua to Allah. And, oh Allah, I'm really hungry. Send me some food. And even my mother isn't here. So then when I went home, Ya Allah, I went, when, I went, when I went to my room, I found some roti, some bread in my room. But oh Allah, oh my mother, today the pleasure I had in the bread, I never had such a tasty bread before. So what happened? Allah spawned in order to keep the yaqeen of that boy. Allah sent him to the press. So that child grew up and he became and spent time in the company of the Messiah. And then Allah Subhanahu made him a Shaykh And even the king of the time was his Murid. When he passed away, all of the people in the city of Delhi, all the Muslims of Delhi, they all gathered to read his Janazah. Because there are two types of people who passed away. Number one is those people who passed away that because so many people pray Janazah over them, they are benefited by that. That if 40 people, 40 believers, 40 people who abstain from shirk, if they pray Janazah over any dead Muslim, because of the prayers of those 40, Allah Subhanahu will forgive the sins of the mayat. So there's some people who pass away that their maghfirat is done because so many people pray Janazah over them. And there's a second type of mayat that they are so pious that the person who prays Janazah over them, their sins are forgiven. 
So somebody saw something in Bakhyan a dream and asked him that what happened when you went to heaven. He said that Allah Ta'ala saw my good deeds and Allah Ta'ala was so pleased with me and told me that I have forgiven all of your sins and everyone who paid janazah over you, I have forgiven all of their sins as well. So Qutbuddin Bakhyakaki was of such a rank of a person. So his janazah took place in a very large field and as far as the gates could see there were just people in rows upon row. Hundreds and thousands of people came for his janazah. And when the rows were formed and the janazah was placed and when it came time to read the janazah and one person he came ahead and he said that he gave me some wasiyat he left me a bequest and it's wajib in shariah that if somebody leaves a last will and testament and instructions they must be read out before the janazah is prayed. So what was the wasiyat he left? He said that that person should pray my janazah who has four features, four virtues. So Hazrat left instructions that who should pray my janazah? That person should pray my janazah who has four special features. Number one is that person has never ever missed farz salah with the jamaat in the first rakah. Now there's a person who is sick, health, happiness, sadness, traveling. Who is there who can say that they've never ever missed a first law in Jamal, in the first row, in Tegbir Who is there who can say that I've never ever missed a Tegbir Ullah? So what a strange condition has a Khajar Qurbudi left. The second condition. That person should have done so much ibadah that even he should have never ever missed the four sunnahs which are before the first sunnah that he prayed the four optional sunnahs of Asr. His whole life he never missed those either. And with another difficult condition, the third condition, that he should be so pious that he should never have ever missed tahajjud prayer either. Always prayed that never ever missed it. That's a very difficult thing to do. And the fourth condition is that ever since that he has attained puberty, he has never ever looked even once at a non-mahram woman with a feeling of desire. Now look that everyone would fail each and every one of these conditions. So these four conditions were set. And each one individually was so difficult. And who would have all four of these, that person is pretty much another. Now when this wasiyat was read out, then everybody was quiet. Nobody think that anybody was going to pray the janazah. There was pin drop silence on the whole gathering. Who would have, who would be so bold and have the audacity to say that I have these four things? And then people were stunned and thinking who is going to pray the janazah because there's nobody like, nobody who could meet these conditions. And all of a sudden they saw that somebody was crying and he came to the front of the crowd and then he went straight to the mayyad, to the corpse where husband was lying. And he went to him and he, although he was dead, he went to him and he said to him that you have left this world but you have exposed me. You have left the world but you have exposed me. 
and then he turned and he addressed the whole gathering and he knew that Allah was looking at him and listening to him he said that I fulfilled all four conditions and he then led the Janaza prayer and when people saw that this was none other than the king of his time Altamash it means that Altamash even though he was a king he had kept the sobat of the awliya even the king of the time becomes the willing of the time so that means that wealth doesn't harm a person. Because a king, he had so much wealth. So wealth in of itself is not harmful. The king of the time can become the wali of the time. That wealth is harmful, but distracts us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, if we have a lot of money, we should try to become one of those rich people who spend time with the awliya and associate with the awliya. So love for the money that we have should leave our heart and then we should spend that money in charity and for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our mashayikh used to say that this world is like a magician and, and the even bigger magicians than the angels Harut and Marut that comes in Quran that they are two angels who were sent down to Babylon in this world so that people if people learned magic from them, they would fall into fitna. So they would tell everyone, that don't learn this magic from us, this is not permissible. But still people would come and ask to be taught by them. So at that time, this was the, this was the example. That who is it who remains firm on the path of Allah and chooses not to learn music, magic? And who is it that learns magic? So it comes the Quran. And what do they used to do by means of that magic? They used to separate between a husband and a wife. They used to cause discord between a husband and wife. So the magic of this world, the magic of this world separates a man from his wife but the magic of this dunya is even more intense that what its magic falls upon a person it separates a person from their rub so this is even a more terrible magic the magic of the dunya and that's why Sayyidina Rasulullah taught us that we should safeguard ourselves from this dunya that we should not have love for this dunya. We should not become distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We should not fall into sin because of love for this world. And we shouldn't leave the path of righteousness and fall into the path of sin because of love for the world. May Allah ta'ala give us understanding. And while we live in this world, may Allah ta'ala prevent us from being of this world. While we earn this world, may Allah ta'ala save us from loving this world. And you would have seen that Allah everyone cries and makes dua that Allah Almighty save me from this, save me from that. Have you ever seen any save me from Jahannam? Have you ever seen anybody cry and say, Allah save me from the love of this world? We don't even view it as something to be saved from. It's a mistake on our part. We should make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, if you have given us money, make it a money that is free of test and trial and tribulation. Make it a money that is free of dragging us into sin. And Ya Allah, make it a money that is free from being a fitna. And Ya Allah, give me the blessing to spend this money for the sake of deen and in your path and in your pleasure. Yeah, I got the law.
drinks from the water of Kofa from his hand. Ya Allah, there are such blessed servants of yours who have born a ram. And they say, Allahumma nabayk, Allahumma nabayk. They're making sadza after Muhammad Rahim. They're making dua for the Kaaba. Ya Allah, make us amongst such blessed people. Every year, Ya Allah, over and over, take us to Beit Allah. Take us over and over for the Yadat of Nabi Akhri, Ya Allah, accept our Tawbah. Ya those who are sick grant them health. Ya Allah, grant those who are sick grant them long and lasting health. Ya Allah, whatever they whatever home there are any young unmarried men and women, and let them discover highest houses for themselves. Ya Allah, make the children the fullness of their parents' eyes. For those parents who have yet to have children, Ya Allah, we ask that you bestow children on them. Ya Allah, let us become receptors to your khidmat for our parents. Let us become a solace for our parents. Ya Allah, your Nabi Akhidim Sassam said that the pleasure of Allah lies in being pleasing to your father. Ya Allah, make us such that we are pleasing to our parents. Ya Allah, if they are pleased with us, then you will be pleased with us. Ya Allah, teach us how to be pleasing to our parents. Ya Allah, all of those ma'amulat that our shaykh is teaching us to do, let us be regular in it, let us be firm in our maraqabah, make us hafiz of the Qur'an, make us qadi of the Qur'an, make us alim of the Qur'an, make us ashik of the Qur'an, make us ashik of the lover of the Qur'an. Ya Allah, all of the good things that Nabi Karim Sassam asked of you, send, bestow upon us all of those khair, and all of those things that he sought refuge from, Ya Allah, grant us refuge from them as well. Ya Allah, let us get maximum benefit from our shaykh, extend his life in a shade of protection over us. Ya Allah, let us do all of the things that he has taught us to do. Ya Allah, send your special rahmat and fazl and karam upon us.